Welcome to Dealing with Demons by C.S. Freeman. He turned around, but nothing seemed to move or to make the sound. So, he turned around and went back to looking through the cabinets around the cabin. Bang! Holy crap! Jake yelled. And he swung around to once again see nothing. Nothing moved or changed in any way. Jake went to the door to see if maybe Frank was outside smashing logs or rocks into the tree. But still nothing was there, and nothing seemed to move or make the sounds. Jake closed the door and walked to the bed. Bang! 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 The lights went out. There was nothing but black all around Jake. E-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e-e. The loudest screech Jake has ever heard, pierced his ears like needles, this made him go temporarily deaf and Jake saw stars for what seemed like forever. Blasted from the darkness and into the cabin. Frank! Jake screamed. But he never came and never heard Jake's cry and plea for help. Who are you? Jake yelled. Your worst nightmare. You thought you could outsmart me in that cemetery, but we will see who's laughing soon enough. Came a voice from behind Jake. The lights came back on and Jake was lying face down on the floor in the middle of the cabin. Knock. 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 You in the dumbass? Frank asked from outside the door. Jake slowly made his way up from the floor. He leaned on the wooden rocking chair in the middle of the room. Yes, what do you want? Jake asked. Time to go. Frank said. Wait. What? Jake asked. It's morning. And now we leave. Simple idea I believed. Frank said. Jake didn't remember going to sleep, he woke up in the middle of the floor face down, and last night heard something screamed in his ears. As Jake went over the night before activities, he scratched his head and noticed there was a trail of blood dripping from his ears. There was a small puddle on the floor where Jake was lying. Jake walked to the door and looked at Frank. Shitface? You get into the good stuff last night? Frank said. Shut up dude, it was a rough night. Jake said, but Frank what is a C's he asked. What name did you just say? C's. You know what it is? Yug. No. Why would you ask such a dumb question? Because I have that name etched into arm. Frank stopped dead in his tracks. Let me see, Frank said as he turned around to face Jake. Jake reached out his arm and scratched and scabbed over in clear letters the name C's. Did you get that shit faced last night? questioned Frank. No. I had one beer. And I have had a shit ton more than that. And I would not just etch a name into my own arm drunk or not man, Jake explained. That was what I was not hoping to hear. And with a sigh Frank explained. He's a demon, he is the demon who stands in the dark corner of your room at night. 
He is the one who is that energy that chases you up the stairs when you have to turn the lights off before you run up. He is the one who. Who there? What? yelled Jake. You heard of the Taicho possession? Frank asked. The 23rd of May 1883. Dear my beloved Grace. I am writing to you from the ship as we sail from one side of the land to the other. We expect this voyage to last three fortnights. We must sail around the bottom of the Americas and come up her shores. The winds have been getting harsher and harsher and I expect by the time we land at the next port we will be farther away from each other than anyone has ever been away from a true love before. My sweet grace I bid thee my love, my protection and may the gods and goddesses of our forefathers keep your hands steady and free. Love. William C. S. Freeman. The 17th of July 1883. My Grace. The waves have started to roll over the sides of the ships, the seas are being extremely rough, and the captain has been hidden in his cabin for half a fortnight. We have been forced into port here in the deep south of the land, and we all hope we can set sail very soon. There have been a few men of the crew who have left the port city in search of the said gold, riches, treasures and fortunes. I for one do not believe that there are any of those things here, for I have never seen so little in a town, so little on the feet of the children, or so little in the markets. So, if there were riches here, why have these poor people not taken a hold of them? Some of the villagers say that there is only one way to get these riches and that's to sell someone's soul to a demon. Be not scared my love. I am safe and will soon return to you. Love, William C.S. Freeman. The 3rd of September 1883. By grace may this find you. Loved Grace. The most unnatural and supernatural events have been accruing here on board this ship. The men that went away from the village said that they hadn't found any fortune or treasure. And I for one do not believe them. Here on the ship men have jumped from the crow's nest into the sea, never to come back up for air again. At least three men have eaten a bullet down in the belly of the ship, and there were four men who cut their own throats. The captain's corridors have not been explored, but if the captain does not exit from there, we are forced to enter the day after tomorrow. I send you my love. I will be safe. Send me your love and prayers from the gods of our forefathers. Love, William C.S. Freeman. The 5th of September 1883. My Grace. Only I and three others have survived this expedition thus far. The captain was found in his cabin with one arm detached, a bullet lodged in his head and an axe in the back of the skull. There was also no money, maps, gems, or um in his cabin. The captain was propped up in his rocking chair, and when the men entered his cabin the chair was rocking, but not from the movement of the sea but opposite of it. Like something was rocking it from behind, trying to hide the fact a far more sinister act took place in that very room. Upon the table sat a large piece of parchment with a drawing of a very tall slender man holding multiple mutilated and dead women in his tree-like hands. There was blood at its feet made by the very blood of the captain, the picture almost looked like it moved, but that is very impossible. 
The parchment besides the picture had only a few words written upon it, I also assume as this being the same color as the blood was written also in blood. Seas. Sanguis. Tenebris. Demonium. Inferis. Which being from where we came from is curious for these words are Latin. And being translated by one of the crew they read. Blood, darkness, demon and underworld. These events were strange, and I, being the only to seem to have a sane mind, left the ship at port in search of a priest of the Catholic faith. For I have only read and heard by word of mouth they are the ones who can make these types of demons flee. Unfortunately, there were no Catholic priests strong enough by their words not mine. So, we have made the decision to travel back home in Oregon. I will be home soon my love. Safe and in your arms once more. Love, William C.S. Freeman. Once the ship landed back in Oregon, William and the three other men from the ship traveled inland about one and a half days by foot to the town of Taicho. This town was just founded only a year beforehand, and the town did not have a proper Catholic priest. The next best thing was an old druid who lived on the outside of town. The town folk pushed him out there which was also well fitting. The men went to the druid and pleaded for help. But the druid said that he could not help, for this was a Greek demon and he only knew the dealings with the Celtic gods and goddesses. But there was one thing that maybe he could do to help these poor men. The old druid man left his little house and traveled in the Oregon rain out into the forests. The men followed behind with a cauldron, a dagger, and twelve rolls of parchment with many herbs, roots, grass and other unknown things rolled inside. The men placed the cauldron in a clearing where the old druid man told them to and then proceeded to build a fire underneath. As the fire grew the cauldron began to fill with a mysterious red liquid. No man was near the pot as it filled or emptied three times before the druid placed the twelve rolls of herbs and root-filled parchment inside. As soon as they were placed in the pot they burst into flames. The cauldron began to fill with the red liquid again this time overflowing and covering the three men's boots. As this took place, they noticed the only thing that was touching the ground of the druid was his long white hair that grew from his head and past his feet. He was floating only a few inches from the ground. The druid man chanted the following words. Vogot. Ernmus filia. Sererempralio imperium. Vocatus me advo. Diaboli, artis. Victorio et morti. Magna regina vocatus me advo. Morigu, domine phantasma to decepturess. Et nonc mecum. The sky round them was already dark from the rain and the clouds. But the sky grew darker, almost tar black. And the ground shook. It shook violently and with such force they say the ground was felt shaking across the country in New York. Then from the cauldron of this druid's goo a dark figure started to appear. The shape grew in size and definition as the druid threw crow feather and feet into it. The figure became more defined. You could tell it was a female, and the first thing to notice was her hair about shoulder length and pitch black, hair has never been so dark and black. She stepped from the cauldron and spread her wings so large they could cover a ship threefold. She folded them in as she walked towards the old druid. 
She reached out her hand and touched the druid's face. Rogina Mays. Mia Principa. Newman Mum. Mihibeleta the old druid said as he knelt on his knees in front of her. The Morrigan is my queen, and my warrior. The druid said to all the men standing in utter amazement and awe. She then went to the men who came to the druid and drew her dagger from her side holster. She then proceeded to kill each and every one of them. Once the killing started the men ran as quickly as they could, but it was to no avail. They all died. She then drugs the bodies into the clearing where the druid was, and he laid them out so they all pointed outwards and the crown of their heads were touching. She went to the druid where he gave her a brass cup and another dagger, she went to the pot where she was summoned from and dipped the dagger inside. This turned the dagger green and it started to smoke. She went to each of the men and with the dagger cut off their limbs. First it was their arms and then their legs. She placed them inside of the pot and walked into the forest. The cauldron exploded and from the smoke a black figure started to form. It was a large man, his skin was pitch black and there were sores all over him that seemed to glow like his insides were on fire. Like his heart was made from lava and he burned forever on the inside. On top of his head he had two large curled horns that rolled over themselves three times. He had on his back what seemed to be a blood-red tattoo of the number 666 across his shoulder blades and the rest of his back had a large blood-red pentacle with a ram inside of it. This demon said nothing in English or any other language that would be recognizable to the human ear. But he looked and pointed at the druid and muttered these words or what seemed to be words that only the druid and the demon in the cauldron could understand. It's a sreetlanont. There was almost no time to even try and comprehend what the demon said, until seven golden arrows were shot from beyond the trees and into the demon. The demon screamed so loud it moved all the trees not just the leaves but the roots and trunks. They shifted leaving a dead area where this night's events took place. If you walk into the forest behind the Taicho Cemetery and follow the Morverant Trail it will lead you straight to it. It will take you a good time to hike to it, but it certainly will take you there. The only thing wrong with the story you just heard is that the demon never died. He is still there in Taicho. The demon's name is Seas. He stays in the cleared circle in the field. He can't leave the circle because the other entity that was summoned the Morrigan guards that circle with her hellhounds and a dragon. Yes, there is a dragon in Taicho, Oregon. What? You don't believe the writer, writing this right now? Well then I guess you need to go to Taicho, Oregon and find out for yourself. Unless you're too scared. To this day, Seas is stuck in the circle. Or so I believed. And the only way for him to get out of that circle is if the hellhounds are scared away, which takes a hell of a lot of terrifying events to happen to scare a dog from hell, or Morrigan tells them to go away or come back to her where she lives in Ireland. People do say they see a dark hair warrior running with red-eye hellhounds through the woods every now and again, but most just brush it aside like it's a Bigfoot sighting. He is out there though. Morrigan? Her hellhounds and the dragon are still present in the woods of Oregon. They keep that demon at bay, they have done it for over 300 years now.
and if he got free, he would need help, or at least some power that he got from someone or from somewhere. And that would not be good either. 